love taking a time in communion just to reflect on who Jesus Christ is and all that he's doing. He is amazing. Amen. And we have a chance to celebrate all that he's done for us, all that he is doing for us, and all that he will be doing for us. And, um, you know, God is working in churches across the world, pressing in on who he is and making real that he is Savior and King. And uh, last week we talked a lot about church planting, and uh, just want to give you an update before we dive into the message today. So uh, last week at the end, we took an offering for Haiti. And uh, there's some things going on down there. They've got about 850 people attending on a weekly basis, and they've got a room of about space for 100. And so they meet in courtyard, and they just spill out, and they set up chairs, and they go after it. And they're continuing to build, and um, they've got a first floor built, and they're kind of at a stagnation point waiting. And so last week, we took some collections of money and just asked for you to give First fruits giving over and above, offering that offerings over and above, just saying, Lord, thank you, and let me pour into this. And, um, and all I can say is thank you, guys. So last week, you ready? Just think of a number in your head. $171,000 came in last week. Is that awesome? Yeah. Amen. Praise God for that. I praise you guys for that. Thank you for your hearts opening up. We've already been told as well there's more coming in and just hang on. So, you know, who knows what that means. And so we'll be working that out through this week and trying to figure it out. Hey, man, God's moving. Amen? He's doing some things in this place. He's doing some things internationally. And I love being able to partner with you as we go after it. Today we're going to be talking about something very specific. Believe and proclaim. What does this look like? What does it mean? And how do we go after it? So turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Acts 10, 44. We got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. So uh, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. Acts 10, starting in verse 44. And uh, just keep your hand raised. They'll get a Bible to you. We're going to walk through these few verses here and uh, learn a few things this morning. Two steps that we need to go after to engage in being a part of the church. All right? Two steps to go after. And uh, here we go. First step. Listen to his word and believe in Jesus Christ. Listen to his word and believe in Jesus Christ. This is essential. All right? So, we'll start in verse 44. He says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with with Peter were amazed. Right. All too often we can read these words and we're like, yada, 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 blah, 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 we want. And we get through a Bible passage really fast and we may miss the, the passion of what's taking place, all right? So let's walk through this real carefully. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, all right? He's in mid-sentence, man. Peter had a list of some things he thought needed to be said, and he was saying some of those things. In fact, if you look back in the prior verses, there's seven specific things he says. I'm not going to go into those in detail right now, because that's what we're going to go over on Easter Sunday, all right? So we were going through Acts 11 last week, and Acts 10, 44 to the end. This week, we're going to be starting back in 34 over Easter there, and we're going to walk through those very specifically. But... Uh, he said seven things about Christ. 
seven awesome things about Jesus Christ, that he is Savior, that he died for them, that he rose again from the dead and conquered death, that there is hope in him, that you believe in him to be saved, and he's not even done yet. He's going through his explanations. He still has more to say, and he's starting his next sentence. He's like, and, and God's like, that's all I needed to have said, and he starts pouring into them, and he peels back the veil, and he reveals to their hearts, and all these unbelieving, everybody say unbelieving, unbelieving Gentiles, everybody say Gentile, okay, so what's a Gentile, man? Well, that's pretty much anybody who's not a Jew, all right? In fact, in the original language, it's simply the word ethnos, like nations, the rest of the world, right? And so the rest of the world represented in this room, and they're not believing, and they're not getting it, and they're listening to Peter walk through, and all of a sudden God goes, veil off, pours into their heart, makes clear what's going on, and huge things happen. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, fell on all who heard the word. This is one of those all moments. Okay? And uh, when God's at work, huge things happen. All right? And he fell on all. Can you imagine that? Every single person there hearing Peter speak, all hear him, and the next thing happens. The Holy Spirit fell on them. Okay? Huge deal. And uh, this allness going on is the many are being saved now. And uh, it's not just one, it's not just two, it's not just some, it's not just most. All. I can't even imagine how it went down. Peter's like, and one more thing. And they're like, that's good enough for me, I believe. I'm in. I, I, I'm following Jesus Christ. And the guy next to him, me too. I'm in. And the guy on the other side of the room, I was thinking the same thing. I'm in too, me too, me too, me too. We're in, man. They're all like getting excited about Jesus Christ. And Peter's like, I have more to share, right? And now, now he's stepping back, and they're just watching. It says the Holy Spirit fell on them. I just want you to know that I kind of skipped past that word when I was going through this passage the first time and kind of settled in on Friday and looking back at some of the original language words here. And Wow. This word fell on is very unique, all right? we hear it and we think of, you know, the Holy Spirit falling on and then making some things happen. And so I'm not sure I get it. Maybe he's like, he's, he's kind of pressing into them. He's making something happen. And here's what the word really means, fell on. It means to embrace and pull in close. All right. That's another way to think of the word. To fall on, is a, it's a relational statement of closeness and proximity. In fact, this word is used in another place in Scripture. It's used in a number of places, but it's used in another place in Scripture, Luke 15, verse 20, in the prodigal son story. And it's talking about the father, right? So let's just remember the story now, right? Young punk kid, he decides to say, give me your inheritance, dad, that you were going to give me. I'm going to treat you as if you were dead. I'm out of here. And he takes the money and he goes off and he spends it and he wastes it and he ends up living amongst the pigs, right? For Jews, that's a big deal, right? Everybody say, that's a big deal. Nasty moment. 
as he's living amongst the very animals he's supposed to stay away from. They're unclean, and he's living amongst them, feeding them, and living off of the stuff they're living off of. And he goes, what am I thinking? My dad's slaves are living better than this. I got to get back home and get humble, man. Maybe he'll treat me as a slave at least, right? He heads back home. And the father working in the field, doing who knows what, digging in, shoveling, looks up and sees a figure on the horizon. And it's his son. And he goes, oh, my son, that's my son. And he hikes up his robe and he runs across the open field. Uh, not classy, all right? You're not supposed to do that, and like, that's why it's written in the story. We're supposed to grasp. I'm telling you, this father's like, forget class. That's my kid. And he gets over to him, and it says he grabs him, and he pulls him in close. He embraces and falls on his neck, this word. He embraced him, pulled him in, and he fell on him. And in the moment, this very event is happening. Father to son, now God to man. And he's simply saying this. These are my children, and I love them. And he pulls them in close, and he hugs on them, and he pours down into them and loves them and says, I have adopted them as my own, my child. That's what's going on. Pretty easy to read past that and miss as God is declaring an amazing prodigal son moment over and over and over and over and over until all in the room are prodigal children saved. And God is doing an amazing work. God is awesome, is he not? Awesome. And uh, it says that the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And uh, the end result of the Holy Spirit pouring in, it says, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. Right? The believers who came with, these Jews, circumcised believers, right? So they've learned who Christ is, and they were there at Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they're now prodigal children brought home, and they're loving on God, and they've come to see Peter do this thing that he was talking about, and they've now watched it all take place, and it says the word, they were amazed. Best definition of amazed is this. Ready? That's it. Jaw drop. Oh, as it literally, you can imagine it going off in the room as one after another is saved and starts to declare out, and they step back just to get a greater view of the room. Oh, look what God is doing here, amazed at what's taking place. It says, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. They were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Listen, God is grabbing the nations, right? 
And then the Holy Spirit grabs and pulls them in, embraces, and now he pours upon them. And what's the next thing that happens? He wells up in them a declaration of God's awesomeness in every language out there. That's what's going on. This speaking in tongues, in other words, the, another word for that word tongues there is languages. This is a moment where there's a declaring forth of God and his awesomeness. He's saying, I want every nation declaring out. And now Peter and the gang are standing there and they're looking at this. And here's what they're realizing. The promise made to Abraham that the nations would be blessed just happened right before us. Whoa! God is now calling children across every nation. And he is having declared out through the languages of the nations, it says, an extolling God. See, when they were speaking in tongues, they weren't talking about themselves. And they weren't talking about the experience. And they weren't talking about the moment and how it had them all in a flutter on this and that. And the focus is not themselves. What were they saying? My God is unbelievable. My God is Savior. My God is Redeemer. My God is King of Kings. He has risen from the dead. He has conquered death. He has power over sin. His name is Jesus Christ. That's what's going up in language after language after language after language all around. Booming forth. Nations represented. People being saved. God being glorified. Praise be to God. What an amazing moment as huge things were taking place there. It is an amazing opportunity to be around when someone is saved. And uh, when one is saved, wow. To just see where something didn't make sense anymore and now it does. To see where Christ was a seeming massive leap and all of a sudden it makes total sense. And they're beginning to trust in him now. And to see what comes after it. And uh, I will never forget talking with uh, our youngest daughter, Alyssa. And uh, as we chatted through some things, she was saved at a young age, and uh, four or five. And, and as I was talking with her, and she came to trust Christ there, next words out of her mouth, not prompted by me, I'm telling you, said nothing about it. Can we read the Bible? Can we get after that? And like the next... How many nights in a row we were just pouring through this children's Bible with pictures in it? Those are a gold mine. Get on those bad boys, all right? And spending time teaching your kids and walking through and, and showing the stories. And, and she's just pouring over and learning and learning. And I'm telling you, when God moves, the heart is stirred. And God knows what he's doing. From the moment they start declaring to the moment they start digging and it is an amazing privilege to be there and watch God turn a heart towards him. And uh, question, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Do you know him? Are you counting on him? Simply put, in scripture it says we need to admit that we are all sinners. 
There's a biblical word, right? Sinner. And actually, it's not a biblical word. It's a sports word. And over the years, it's gotten used as a biblical word. Paul used it writing to people who did archery. And it's an archery term. It simply meant to pull back, shoot for the bullseye, miss that, miss the outer ring, miss the whole doggone target, come up short, and sand flies. Sinned. It's an archery term. And all of us have been there. That's where we are. Miss the mark, man. Short. Measured up against God's glory. And, uh, we need to admit, Lord, please forgive me. I've gone my own way. And uh, B, believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Hope in him. And Easter isn't because we're trying to figure something out to do once a year. Easter is because he is risen. Easter is because there is power in him. Easter is because he has conquered the very thing that has us gripped, death. And Jesus Christ has it in hand. We worship him and we celebrate him and we believe he is risen. And then, last up, so you can admit you're a sinner and you can believe Jesus is risen. And then you go off living your life all about you. Confess him as Lord. Is he Lord of your life? Is he in charge? Are you listening to what he wants and going after his thoughts, his glory? Or is it all about you? And time to set that down and make much of him. Belief, it is everything we're called to. Make sure you've trusted in Christ. If you have not, man, make today the day. Put the stake in the ground. Get it done. If you need to be talking to someone, come talk to one of us afterwards. We'll have pastors and elders down front. We would love to be able to walk through that with you. And uh, maybe you want to do it right now, right where you're at. That's up to you. Go for it. Make much of your God. Believe in him. Confess him as Lord. That's the first step. Second. First belief, then announced publicly through baptism. First belief, then announced publicly through baptism. Peter's watching all these people come to trust Christ as Savior and begin to declare out. And uh, it says, uh, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? Can anyone withhold water for baptizing? Are you hearing it? Who's going to say no to this? That's what he's saying. Are you kidding me? He's got these representative Jewish believers, and he looks at each of them. Got something to say? We're going to do some baptizing, aren't we? And can you imagine the rest of them? They're still like this. Okay. That's all they got, man. Sure. How, how do you say no to it? In fact, he goes on and he makes a logic argument. Who can withhold water for baptizing these people? Who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. All too often this gets made into a um, thing about the tongues. And I think it's missing the point, man. This is the falling on. They're like, do you understand that you were a prodigal child? And the Holy Spirit embraced you and fell upon you and pulled you in close and poured out on you. And he's done the same here. And, and do you see that you are loved and you are embraced and they are loved and they are embraced and they are a prodigal son, and you are a prodigal son, and all of us together being adopted as children into his home. Praise 
be to God. And a huge moment as he says, look, yes, Holy Spirit, yes, saved, yes, adopted, and yes, even pouring on them and giving them these languages to speak across language barriers. Man, there was a point where the languages separated, right? The Tower of Babel. And look what God is doing now as he launches the church. He brings it back together and he breaks across language barriers. God's making a statement. I did the separating and I'll do the pulling together. And this is going to be an amazing time of unity for this church. And a huge moment. And so Peter, now putting on the apostolic hat, says, and he commanded them to be baptized. Right? He didn't ask. He told. Hey, man, time for you to be baptized. It wasn't, hey, are you open like in the next four weeks, ten weeks? You know, let's figure this thing out. It's like, now, bro, you take a stand for Christ, then let's do the stand. Let's do this thing. And, and he said, uh, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Baptized in what? The name of Jesus Christ. Not the name of Harvest Bible Chapel, not the name of whatever church you happen to be. You are not baptized into a church. You are baptized into Jesus Christ. That's a good spot for an amen, so let me restart. You are not baptized into a church. You are baptized into Jesus Christ. Amen. And do you hear it? This is biblical statement being made. I am following my Savior, Jesus Christ, and he is awesome. I worship him and I praise him and time to take a public statement and make much of him. And uh, all right. It says, then they asked him to remain for some days. Do you think? Right? You're standing there and you've seen this whole thing unleash and you're like, I barely understand what just went down and clearly God's working through you and can you do me a favor and stay with us for a little while? We need to work through this together, and God's building his church as he rallies believers together and goes after it. And uh, please notice, they believed, right? Holy Spirit came on them, and then they were baptized. Belief, and then baptism. You see this modeled all over scripture, all right? Belief, and then baptism. And uh, so let's just answer a few questions on baptism, Okay? Baptism. Why be baptized? Why this water thing? What's up? Maybe that's just archaic and maybe we shouldn't go after it. And, and uh, so baptism. First of all, he does command it. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus commands this. He's like, make disciples, teaching and baptizing. All right. It's part of the command list. And uh, Peter commands it right here. And uh, it allows us to say, I love Jesus Christ. I love you, Lord. And I just want others to know about it. Why be baptized? Because you're letting people know that you trust in Christ as your Savior and you're going public with it. Okay? And uh, it's a symbol of your relationship with him. It is a symbol. Okay? It's this moment where you're showing you've gone down into death with Christ and up into new life. That's what's going on with the immersion baptism. And uh, baptism. Well, does it mean I have to have it all together? I mean, dude, you don't know me. I'm still working on some of my language choices and some of the actions that I got going on. And please hear me. 
Baptism, it is not a declaration that you now have it all together. It is a declaration you do not, but you know the one who does. You hearing that? Baptism. I know Jesus Christ and he's got it together and I need to get underneath him. May God glor be glorified in that. Okay? Baptism. And uh, so how do we baptize here? Well, so we fill this with water, right? And so right underneath the screen there, that stone area, that gets filled with water and we end up doing some baptisms where we've got some testimonies being announced and we go down into the water and up out into new life. And so we do the immersion style baptism over here. And uh, do you ever not do that? Uh, yeah, actually we have one that you'll be uh, hearing about today a little bit. And uh, sometimes those, that just doesn't make sense when there's health issues or physical issues. And, and so we're working with that, okay? But are the majority of the time, we're going after the immersion baptism right here, all right? And um, okay, so here's some questions we get asked a lot. I was baptized in another church. Should I be baptized at Harvest now again? Okay. And so if you've believed in Jesus Christ, got baptized at another church, please hear me. You are baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, not the name of the church. And so when you come here, no, you don't have to be baptized into harvest. We say it this way, we're not, we're not a cult. You're not getting baptized into the church, you're getting baptized into Jesus Christ. So if you've already believed and then been baptized, you're good, all right? That is awesome. And uh, no need to be baptized again. And uh, well, here's another one. Well, I've rededicated my life. I mean, the honest answer, I became a dork for quite a while. Did some things I shouldn't be doing. I feel really bad about it. Should I get rebaptized in order to like be like, no, I'm serious. I'm back on again now. And uh, no, okay? If you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you've been baptized and you're walking a path, right? Sanctification is a process, right? Becoming more like Christ is a process. It does involve us wrestling through and handing over and God doing a work and the sin changed in our life. And so if there's a moment of wrestling in sin and then kind of falling into that and stepping back out of it, committing to him, that's not a time to be baptized, but that is a time to go, I'm fired up for him, right? I'm going to serve him with all I've got. I'm going to jump into some things in the church. I'm going to jump into some impact group. I'm going to go after worshiping him. Next steps, handing your life over. That's the way you do that, not through baptism, all right? So if you were baptized after belief but had a falling away, that's still good, all right? Okay. Um, I was baptized as an infant. Should I be baptized again? Okay. Unless you were an unbelievable infant <laughs> who had the capability of knowing right and wrong and understanding belief at that time, right? You know where I'm going with this. The reality is belief and then baptism. So we're going after a very specific believer's baptism, a symbol of what's going on in your life. Do you believe? Down into death, up into new life. And as an infant, that was not able to be said. What was happening there is your parents were like, I'm committing to raising this one to trust Christ. And now you do? Time to celebrate that, man. Right? And so this isn't saying, let's make little of what was done. And, and mom and dad, we thank you and we appreciate all that you have done in committing your life and this home to raising me in Christ. Now I'm trusting him and I want to take a stand for that publicly and proclaim it. That's what's going on. And so we would say, 
you know, if you were baptized as an infant, later came to believe, yeah, it's time to be baptized now, okay? So yes, you need to be baptized. Come join us. Let's do this. And um, all right. Uh, when? When should we be baptized? Next week. <laughs> okay. And uh, man, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you have not since been baptized, next week we are going after it. We are excited about it. We are going to be making much of our God. It is going to be an awesome celebration service. We're already running somewhere, I think it's between 12 and 14 names that have already signed up and given applications and we got more coming in. We know it. And I know you're, there's people in this room. You're sitting here right now. Here's what you're thinking. I knew I should have skipped today. I know what's going on, and it's okay, man. You're wrestling through what does it mean to go public with my faith, and what does it mean to share, and trust me, we're going to walk through it with you. We're going to make sure that Christ is made much of. We're going to be right there with you as pastors going through it. It is an awesome experience. Every single person we've talked to as they get baptized, they're like, man, that was so worth it, and uh, I'm telling you, there's a little bit of fear on the front end of it. Don't sweat that. Time to set that down before your God and say, Lord, I believe in you. I want to proclaim you as king, okay? And, uh, well, that's great, Tim, but I really have no idea what it looks like. Okay, let's show you this. I believe in the I believe in the risen one. A few years ago, uh, going through everyday life struggles, realized that I can't do it on my own and I needed help. Bought it. I didn't want to let go of what I wanted and I thought I knew what was best. And I started falling into sin a little bit at a time. And I was kind of blind to it at the time. You know, you don't really see it until suddenly I just felt like I had hit rock bottom. And realizing that this entire time, my whole life, that I've been lost, I decided to quit kidding myself and give it up and proclaim him as my king. That um, I could never do enough or um, be good enough to work my way to God, um, and, and I didn't have to either. Jesus had already done all that work for me on the cross, and all I had to do was just accept that gift. It took a long while to get here. I passed 95. 95. Yeah. And it's never too late, right? No. No. Uh, I was diagnosed with cancer in 2009. Um, each year it kept coming back to a different spot. You start realizing you need somebody more than yourself to get through things. This past year after getting married, within three or four months my marriage was in shambles. Because of the Lord, He was so faithful. He let me, He helped me get out of bed every single day to face the day. And when people told me to walk away from my marriage, it was the Lord who gave me the strength and the courage to continue to fight for my marriage. And it is because of God that I am standing here today with a changed heart and a restored marriage um, and a completely different look on life. This is the next step. 
one I've been longing for it and I've been talking to you about what is that next step and I, this is it and I was sitting over there and you said hey is there, there's anybody else we got shorts and shirts I'm like cool I'm in baptized as a baby, but now that I'm an adult and I have an, a personal relationship with Jesus, I want to tell the world that He's my rock and my Savior. Pastor Tim had said to uh, put the stake in the ground and we had been talking about it. It was after Easter and, and I, I took that step. Now that you have Christ, how is life different for you? It's life-changing and I love it. I would not have it any other way. He just gives me so much hope for tomorrow and peace. Peace in my heart. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want to be baptized today? I just want to show my kids and my family and most of all the Lord that I'm all in. I love Jesus Christ and to follow and be obedient to Him. To, to show Him off this way. To show everyone that I'm all in for Christ. I'm ready to serve the Lord, whatever He wants me to do. Just to tell, tell everyone that He's my Savior. I celebrate with all these other guys today. I uh, to profess that I'm a servant of my Lord. I want it to be a symbol that I do believe in God and I love Him and that He's in my life. Christ called us to be baptized and to be a witness, also to be an example. I want to proclaim Him as my one true King, my Lord and Savior. I want to celebrate my love for Jesus Christ.